1: The message this morning is Uncommon Mercy. And this message is not just for moms, although I'm, I'm dedicating this to all the moms. The message is for all of us this morning. And why a message on mercy? Well, for one, it is a big piece of the good story. It's a big part of the gospel. It's a big part of the ministry of Jesus. This word mercy. So so we can't preach on this enough. I want you to know that Jesus embodies what it means to have not just regular mercy, but uncommon mercy. In fact, in one of the greatest sermons that Jesus have ever preached, and I don't know uh, of any other sermons that's most familiar, but the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually said that one of the keys to real happiness is being merciful. Blessed or happy are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. So right out of the gate, we need to have a proper understanding of what it means to receive and offer mercy. Okay? Proper understanding of how to give and receive mercy is necessary in living the Christian life. And what a better place to look for mercy. Uh, the subject of mercy than in the Old Testament book of Ruth, okay? Ruth. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn to the Old Testament, okay? It's in the book of Ruth. And where is Ruth? So just say Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, okay? It's the eighth book in the Old Testament. Testament, okay, the eighth book. I, I know some people don't 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 go and look, you know, through their Bibles. But th- this morning we're going to have to look for Jesus again, like we did last Sunday, in the Old Testament, okay? Now Ruth uh, is regarded as one of the greatest romantic love story ever recorded in scriptures. The, the love story between the main character, Ruth, and of course uh, a man named uh, Boaz who was a Hebrew uh, living in Judah. Now, Ruth was a foreigner who was from Moab. Now, that's, that's the main story of the book. But there is another love story within that main love story. And this love story involves Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. Their story is one of love expressing itself through Mercy. Now, as this sermon unfolds, uh, we have to see Ruth as a picture of Jesus in how she demonstrated mercy to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of Jesus in the Old Testament. In fact, the entirety of the Old Testament speaks of Jesus. And in Ruth, we will see that she personifies the biblical model that Jesus would later demonstrate in the New Testament. Testament when it comes to this issue of mercy. So let me set the stage and and give us a little bit of a background before we read our text this morning, which is in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Again, a Hebrew family escaping the famine in Judah decided to leave their homeland and settle in a foreign land called Moab. It was Naomi, her husband Elimelech, and their two sons. Upon settling in a foreign land, their sons intermarry with the women of Moab. Their two sons married Ruth and Orpah, both natives of Moab. After 10 years in Moab, Naomi's husband Elimelech died. And shortly after that, her two sons died. And it left her with an extreme, in an extreme personal uh, devastated state. All she had left were her her two uh, stepdaughters. So let's take a look at this entire situation of Naomi. She was a widow without men to support her because she lost her husband and her two sons. Being a widow in those days was understood to be a sign that God's favor had left a woman. Thirdly, she was a foreigner in the land of Moab. And she left because her own homeland was being judged by God because of their uh, idolatry. And God sent a famine in Judah. That's why they left. So Naomi had no husband, no sons, no means of livelihood, and no place to go. And all she had left were her two foreign-born daughters-in-law. One day, however, news reached Naomi that perhaps God had visited her people once again and that things in Judah, things in Israel were actually getting better. So Naomi decided to leave Moab and begin her journey back to her own homeland. And that's when we're going to pick up this passage, this text, okay? Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of your uh, mother and find another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why should you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Now Ruth was a perfect person to give us a clear picture of what uncommon mercy looks like. She absolutely have every right to abandon Naomi, her mother-in-law. She has that right. They're not blood after all. She was just her daughter-in-law. She owes her nothing. In fact, if Ruth wanted to push it, she could actually condemn the God of Naomi. You know, your God had abandoned you. She has every reason to go against uh, Naomi for what she was going through you would think that that would be her normal response to the situation. Now, her sister-in-law, Orpah, she was sympathetic too to Naomi. But you know what? When the opportunity came for her to go, she kissed her goodbye. But Naomi had Ruth, and Ruth decided to stay. Ruth's response to Naomi gives us an insight of what uncommon mercy looks like. It shows us how to offer mercy to others, especially to those who are in desperate situations. And you know who those people are? All of us. All of us are in that situation. Being merciful from the standpoint of God's Word is much more than just offering kindness to others. It's more than just not paying evil for evil. It's much more than that. Being merciful from the standpoint of God's word is letting someone reflect the heart of God through our act of mercy. So this, this thing called mercy is at the very heart of what we need to show people who needs it. It's more than just saying, okay, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. It's more than just saying, okay, I'm going to let you off the hook. But it's actually reflecting the heart of God to another person. And that's why this message is called Uncommon Mercy. Because you and I probably will stop at saying, yeah, okay, well, you am going to let it go this time. I'm going to let you off the hook this time. But you know what? You know, you do it again, you're done. All right? But that's not what Uncommon Mercy shows. And thank God that's not how God treated me. God treated me with Uncommon Mercy, and that is He reflected His heart in the process of showing that to me. Now, this story shows us three principles of uncommon mercy. Okay, three principles of uncommon mercy. Number one, in showing and giving mercy, the first principle we need to remember is this. Conviction is the basis for compassion. Conviction is the basis for compassion. As we look at the the, the verses before us, Naomi told both her widowed daughters in law, we're all without a husband. I cannot possibly produce sons for you to marry. I have no one to take care of me, much less take care of you. God has turned his back on me. God is against me. While you, you're young enough to re- re- restore your life, to have a second chance. So go, leave me in my Misery. Now, look at verse 14. As At this, they wept aloud together. Now, everybody was crying because of the situation. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. In verse 15, Naomi said, Your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. That seems like a wise advice. Considering they're all going to sink in their situation. Now, Orpah and Ruth both felt compassion in their hearts. They wept with their mother-in-law, but one left and the other stayed. One showed common sympathy, the other showed uncommon mercy. Ruth did not base her act of mercy on her compassion, but on her conviction. Now, how do we know that? Real simple. Ruth did not look at Naomi's condition. She saw Naomi's God. Conviction is when you and I are convinced that God is real despite of the situation, despite of the circumstances. There must be something about Naomi's God that penetrated the heart of Ruth for her to stay despite of the suffering that that they're going through, she never wavered in her trust. Naomi didn't. In her God. Naomi may have complained about God. She may be moaning and groaning. She may have moaned and groaned about her situation. She even said, my own God turned His back on me. But she never lost her trust in God. And you know what? That's a testimony that Ruth saw. And she based her compassion not on the situation, but on her conviction that God is really true and he can be trusted. She stayed with her. And she was willing to share in her misery because of the conviction that she saw in Naomi. So... Conviction is the basis for compassion. Jesus died for us because he shared God's love for humanity. Did you know that Jesus died on the cross on the conviction that he must share God's love for humanity? I mean, if you think about that, what other conviction should Jesus have to die on the cross if not to share his father's love? For humanity. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Jesus based his compassion in the love that he shared with God. In our society today, we seem to have a view of mercy as an act of compassion at the expense of truth. Okay? That's the kind of society we're living in today. Uh, You know what? In fact, I... uh, I heard the news the other day, and please don't, don't think that I'm preaching a, a message on judgmentalism. Please, you know me better than that. But I heard the news that some of the homeless people in, in, in a city were being uh, transferred to uh, hotels because of the virus situation. And you know what? That's a wonderful idea. The hotels are going to be open to the homeless people. I support that. But then again, that's not the end of it. They were going to supply... Alcohol and drugs to those people. You know, I'm thinking about this. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm not going to say more about it, but I'd like you to think about it. Okay, In our society, compassion or mercy is, is being done at the expense of what's right and what's true. Because many people understand mercy to mean showing unconditional compassion. But listen very carefully this morning. Without conviction, compassion means nothing. Without conviction, compassion is not mercy it 's mockery because compassion must be based on conviction. You know when famous people famous people, celebrities die of a drug overdose or, or, or severe alcoholism and, or, or something like that, inevitably you will discover that that person somehow, somewhere, was enabled by someone to continue on in their plight. They were enabled. And if you ask those people who enabled those people who died, they will say, because we are so compassionate for that person. Now, enabling is not an act of mercy. It's a death sentence. Intervention is an act Mercy because when you intervene, you're basing something on a set of principles that you know are true and right and proven. That's why mercy must have conviction in order for it to exhibit real compassion. Compassion powered by conviction equals uncommon mercy. Jesus was not just merciful was not just the most merciful person that ever lived. He showed so much mercy on people in the Bible. He showed so much compassion in the Bible. And yet, not a single time did he violate the law. Not a single moment did Jesus violate any of the law of Moses. You remember the story of the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Everybody knows this story. It's a very clear story in the Bible of what uncommon mercy looks like. It was about this prostitute who was caught at a, at a very compromising situation. He, she, was, she was committing adultery with a customer and the people discovered her and they dragged her to kill her because of her prostitution, because of her adultery. I have no doubt in my mind that some of those men who dragged her were probably customers. And they probably want to get rid of her so that you know, she'll be shut up forever, right? But nevertheless, they were so adamant about killing her because of their self-righteous indignation in their minds, and they dragged her in front of Jesus in order to test what Jesus is going to do. And we all know the story. In verse 10, it says, Jesus straightened up. Okay, this isn't all in the Bible. After he was writing something on the floor, you know, we didn't know what he wrote. But he got up, he picked up a rock. And he said to those who were around uh, him, ready to stone this woman, if any one of you have no sin, I want you to be the first one to cast the stone. Okay? And as the Bible tells us, one by one, they started walking away. They started leaving. They started, you know, realizing that, hey, you know, yeah, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be part of this thing. They got, you know, somewhat convicted in the presence of Jesus, right? And the Bible says in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Of course, her accusers, right? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Some say that this story is about hypocrisy and how not to judge other people because we are all sinners. I agree with that, okay? But I disagree that this story is about judging. It is not about judging. This story is about Mercy, okay? It's not about judging. And the reason why I know this is not about judging was because a perfect judge was in the middle of the story. Jesus was a perfect judge. You know what? He picked up the rock. Who has the authority to cast the first stone in that story? It was Jesus. He had no sin. Jesus says, if, if any one of you had no sin, throw the rock. Jesus was holding to the rock. It means that Jesus at any second could have hit that woman in the head and be justified for doing it. Now this is where uncommon mercy comes in. Jesus has every right to kill that woman in their presence. He dropped the rock and he says, who condemns you? No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Go and don't do this again. Conviction is the basis for compassion. And that's why Jesus showed uncommon mercy. He based his compassion on conviction. There's another story in Mark chapter 14 where a woman was spending all of this money on a, a perfume to wash the feet of Jesus. And everybody around her was saying, you're wasting that money. You know what? This money could have been saved and be given to the poor. You know the story. You've read the Bible. You know what Jesus said to those who were saying that? The poor, you will always have with you. You can help them anytime. Isn't that true? We've always had, but ever since I was a kid, ever since I was born, I've seen poor people. I had been a poor person. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Jesus was right. The poor you'll always have with you, you can help them anytime, but you're not going to always have me. The people around Jesus at that that scene, they thought that compassion is more important than conviction. It is not. Mercy must be fueled by conviction, not merely by compassion. We are followers of Jesus. okay? And how many times do we get in trouble for standing for our conviction? We get in trouble. And it saddens me. Because people look at us as hateful people, when in when in reality, we were following Jesus. We were showing that conviction is more important than compassion. I actually been asked why are you Christians so opposed to should I name it? Should I even say it? Why are you so opposed to the redefinition of marriage? Why are you so opposed to you know having a uh, uh, Gender fluidity, they call it. Why are you so opposed to a a, a woman not being able to make her choice for her body? I mean, we get confronted with these things. And the, the understanding of compassion is so twisted that we're all, as followers of Jesus, are nothing more than hateful people trying not to give freedom to people to do anything they want. Well, guess what? I wouldn't wish God's judgment to fall on my worst enemy. We simply understand that our conviction is the basis for our compassion. If I see someone, you know, moving around the edge of a cliff, drunk. Okay? If I if he takes another step, he's going to fall to his death. Should I say to myself, well, you know what? I, I don't want to mess with your decision. I'm compassionate with you. Here, have another drink and actually fall on the edge. Is that what people want us to be? Let me tell you why we as Christians do it this way. And I'm defending our stand, our conviction. Because we don't base our compassion on feelings. We base it on our conviction. We base it on God's infallible eternal word we are not shaped by feelings we walk by faith we walk by the words of christ the holy spirit's goal is not just to remind us of truth but to shape our lives to truth in truth so that we won't forget what jesus already says
0: You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Lapson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. As a listener-supported ministry, they are grateful for your tax-deductible donations at livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for, a church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life, with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com.